Welcome to the Speakeasy and our new sit-down interview series called Whiskey Made Me Say It. We will interview the most interesting and humorous golfers, whiskey makers, and enthusiasts and enjoy their perspective on life. Sit back and enjoy Whiskey Made Me Say It. Welcome to Golfcast. This is Brian Bailey here bringing you a What uh, Whiskey Made Me Say It episode. Uh, I'm going to do a sit-down chat and tasting with my good friend over in Ireland, Gareth McShay. Gareth, how are you today? Brian, how's it going? I have so far managed to survive Storm Agnes, which is a first storm of 2023 officially. I, I don't know. I think the name Agnes suggests it should have been a storm in the 1800s. I don't know why that is, and I profusely apologize to any Agneses that are listening in right now. I don't intend to. I think uh, you're pretty you. safe. Just, that name just says, says to me a storm in the 1800s, and I don't know why. Yeah, we just had Hurricane Ophelia uh, come up through the Carolinas, and, and we were in drought. We did not have rain for probably 45 straight days. And then we had about three inches dumped on us in, in like a 12-hour period. So uh, we, my grass has actually grown. I haven't had to mow the lawn in almost two months. It's been spectacular. <laughs> well, we've, had, we've pretty much had rain for 45 straight days, so uh, you've been getting <laughs> I think... In between, in between the two of those, there's a perfect blend, let's say, because this is golf cask. That's right. Uh, so what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to interview Gareth, kind of get a little history on him, uh, kind of his journey in the golf as well as whiskey. And then we'll talk a little bit about our golf tournament coming up in December here in Virginia. Gareth is actually going to come across the pond and uh, participate in the uh, coaching side and playing some golf with everybody while we're here. Uh, and tasting and the whiskeys and all that great stuff. So we'll, we'll dive into that. So uh, first, let's talk about our, our co-host today. Uh, both of us are going to go red breast, uh, single pot, and it's Lestau. Lestau. How do we pronounce this? Lestau. Lestau. It's mm, fancy. Um, so this will be our dram of choice. And uh, so, Gareth, how did you get into this crazy world of golf? Oh, my God, that's a heavy pour. Oh, well. Um, my, my, my story is one of great simplicity, Brian, which is rather appropriate being it's associated with me. And that is, uh, my father was a very good Gaelic footballer. So those of you who haven't seen Gaelic football, it's, um, it's like rugby and soccer blended only it's tougher and there's a, a lot less rules, but, uh, you, you can, you can YouTube it and you'll see what I'm talking about. Anyway, my dad was a very good Gaelic footballer. And when his, when his Gaelic football career came to an end, just to retain uh, competitiveness in some realm, he took up golf. Um, and as a result, his version of babysitting when I was sort of eight, nine, 10 years of age, and I don't know exactly when it was, but he just started taking me to the golf course. And, you know, he's going out and playing some golf and I'm chipping and putting and hitting balls. And it's just, I, I ended up spending so much time at a golf course, I got kind of reasonable at it in spite of myself and my deficiency of talent. We all have deficiency in talent. That's why we're in golf. And <laughs> <laughs> no, no. um, I think that's very interesting. So uh, I guess we'll go and tie in your whiskey. Uh, what what brought you into the whiskey world and the appreciation of of the dram? That is is also golf related, really. I think it's well. My my journey is basically hanging on to your shirt tails, and I know you're not wearing shirt tails today, but. That's kind of where it's at, and I never, I never really imbibed whiskey as a, a young man, and certainly hadn't up until recent years. And then you opened my eyes to the different 
you know the different um types and and opportunities in the world of whiskey and what it what i'm missing and, and that's just been kind of fascinating to me that i didn't realize that existed it's on my doorstep obviously living in ireland a lot of fantastic distilleries here um but there's also that and i'm gonna say it straight there's that kind of stigma of the irish man drinking whiskey and getting into fights and you don't want to be that guy so <laughs> i uh yeah, I just never really, I never went into whiskey with anything other than kind of it's what you drink if you're going to be aggressive or if you've got a cold, you would drink a, you know, a hot whiskey here in Ireland. Hot toddy. Um, yeah, exactly. Hot toddy. It was never really a, a case of there's a world that I need to explore and and uh, get into. And I, I, I've started to is what I would say. I mean, I keep saying when we're on calls, I'm in my infancy. I very much believe that. And I very much know that because no sooner do I think I've learned something, and this is true in coaching as well, folks, no sooner do you think you've learned something than it gets completely turned in its head or something else reveals itself that you then have to go and explore. No, I agree. And uh, same thing with me. I, when I got into it, it you know, I drank whiskey for, with different intention. It was more for you know, just having a good time and whatnot. But what I discovered in COVID when we went to cocktails and we had all this time sitting inside the house, that's when I actually discovered, oh, my God, there is a taste difference from just inside of different, so Ireland, single malts, like Ireland's known for their single malts, pots, pot stilled, spectacular, but they have the same recipe, right? It's 100% malted barley. It's the same. So you would think every whiskey would taste the same. <laughs> Au contraire. So just, just like I said, when you, when, you, when you sit down and you really experience that, that the recipe is the same, only thing is it's different is maybe the type of barrel it in maybe the type of yeast they use you know how many times they distilled it whatever but at its core it's the exact same but it comes out as a completely different product which is just i still have trouble wrapping my my simple brain around that yeah yeah it, it is fascinating and i think um i mean we would say as coaches there are many different ways of producing a fade or a draw right uh, and, and I guess the world of whiskey is no different. There are many different ways of producing some wonderful whiskeys. No, I agree. And, and the beauty is that there's so many of them out there nowadays. And it's, there's so many distilleries. We have the, you know, if you think of kind of the big boys on the block, you have Ireland, Scotland, America, Canada, and Japan are kind of the big boys. So, you Japan's know. Con Brian, Japan's controversial throwing that in there. I'm going to tell you. Nah, that, <laughs> that was just a bad bottle. Uh, well, it was but, it was an exceptionally bad bottle. <laughs> it, it's still on the shelf and it has not moved an inch since the last time uh, people were here. But the the beauty of it is is, is you know the, Ireland is the home of whiskey. Um, Scotland will argue with you a little bit uh, because that's kind of where the monks started it. You know, golf. Where is the home of golf? You know, Scotland takes that takes that honor. They say, but I think the Irish will argue with that as well. Um, so the beauty is, is, you know, the traditions of whiskey and the traditions of golf start right there. And uh, I think, again, it's, you know, that's happened. And then it came to America and America just makes it bigger, bolder, brasher, because that's who we are um, with our bourbons and things like that. So I think, again, the beauty is, is when you go to the different countries, when you go to Canada, you know, they tend to be smoother, lighter, friendlier. Uh, kind of Canadian, right? So, it, you know, a lot of the whiskeys embody the culture and, and the people making it. So, again, it's it's just a cool, it's a cool way to segment back in time, to understand cultures, understand you know the surroundings, and uh, and it's all in a small glass, and it tastes spectacular once you get used to it. <laughs> there is that little nugget once you get used to it. Yes, it it does take 
trust me, if you do it enough, the burn, you, you associate the burn and it goes away. Like you understand it, it's coming, it goes, and then you're going to unlock all the flavors. But I have to say, this thing has no burn. I mean, this, uh, again, any product from Redbreast is spectacular. So if you're just starting the, your whiskey journey, uh, Redbreast 12 is a great intro. Uh, really, really smooth, really flavorful. And any of the Redbreast lineup, you know, you don't need to go buy 21 or 27. You don't need to go spend $300, $1,000. You know, Redbreast 12, I think is right around in the States, about 65 bucks. Uh, it's a pretty good deal for a, a really good sipping whiskey. And I love a single malt after dinner. To me, single malts, because they're smooth, they're sweet, they're kind of creamy. Uh, they go really well after a good meal. Uh, where I'd say American bourbons do, they're much punchier in front of dinner. Uh, have dinner to smooth them out, where I think the Irishes and some of the Scotches come in uh, pretty well behind. But so, so you've started this wonderful journey. Um, where did you see your aspirations in golf going? So I grew up uh, at a time when European golf was starting to come to some degree of prominence. The, the big five, Brian, were the, the guys who were um, the superstars of European golf. And for those of you who don't know, the big five were Serviano Ballesteros, Ian Woosnam, Nick Faldo, uh, Bernhard Longer, who amazingly is still competing and, and been competing successfully and winning on tour. And then we had, uh, oh, who did I miss? Oh, Sandy Lyle. Yeah. Who, who was the first European, if I'm not mistaken, to win the U.S. Masters and kind of broke down a lot of barriers in that respect in terms of giving Europeans a confidence that they could go and compete in a in a hostile world, which, you know, the PGA Tour was a hostile world for those guys who were seen as people coming in. Sevy often said he felt like he was a person coming in and taking their money, and, and they were pretty clear to him about that. Um, anyway, the reason I'm saying all that is it was a time of great interest in golf. I was lucky enough to kind of see these superstar players um, and the Carl's Irish Open, which uh, w was in its absolute heyday in the mid 80s. And I was going to these tournaments and um, you could get really close to the players back then. I mean, I snuck onto the practice ground and basically just stood having a full blown conversation with Sandy Lyle, who was the Open champion at that time. Uh, and this little 10 or 12 year old just standing, bending his ear about his swing and stuff like that. Um, and that kind of that kind of gripped me and, and excuse the pun, but it gripped me. And I, and, I, and I just fell in love with the game. I fell in love with the fact that I used to play a lot of other sports and team sports. Uh, I love the fact that golf, you live and die by your own sword. You know, yeah. your performance is your performance. I know the Ryder Cup's coming up this week, but by and large across a golfing career, it's about what you do or perhaps what you don't do. And I just love the fact that the four footer and 18, that was all on me. You know, I just, I enjoyed that in a kind of sick way, in a sadomasochist way. It was like, uh, I like the punishment to beat me harder golf and uh, got deeper into it. I mean, the aspirations you can come in in a second. The aspirations, I think, any player who ends up uh, as a pro of some description at some stage had aspirations to be a tournament professional. That was that was the pinnacle. Still is, um, uh, and in fairness, I didn't even get close, so I'm, I can't can't claim to be disappointed. <laughs> We've all been there. We all said, "Man, I could do it," and then you kind of figure out how good those guys really are, and you're like, "Okay, well, maybe I can coach it." So uh, is that kind of your segue into coaching to, you know, where you're like, well, I've learned a lot about the game. Now I can help others. Or how, how did you determine that I'm going to become a golf coach? The, you know, the major part of that, Brian, was I started studying and reading about um, what very little there was in sports psychology 30 years ago. 
Uh, there was a guy called Alan Fine in the UK. I read um, an amazing book for me as a kid. I was about 18 or 19. Dan Millman, the former US Olympian gymnast, uh, he, had a, he had a book, Body, Mind, Mastery. Um, I have no hesitation right now in recommending that book to anybody listening to this this show because it's just a wonderful kind of concept of you know our body our mind and and the fact that they need to work together if we're going to have success on any 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 dimension in any endeavor and um i got very intrigued by that now initially that was all to do with my performances or, or might i phrase that more correctly and say my lack of performances i was a classic um hit it great in the range because i would i would hit balls all day i just i, I love practicing i was very determined and so at a certain point in time, you get into a rhythm and you just start hitting these great golf shots. And then you go out two days later with a card in your hand. And it's like, who is this dude? It's like, it's like I've put a chimpanzee behind the, you know, behind the wheel of a Ferrari. Um, and and, that, and that, that car was driving pretty fine two days ago. So that that really piqued my interest in, in performance, mental performance, psychology, uh, the different facets. And I've been on that journey for 30 years now. Uh, yeah. And, and if you, uh, Anybody listening to this podcast, definitely go into uh, find Gareth McShay's stuff, but you can go inside of Fuel TV, uh, Fuel Golf TV, and Gareth has tons of content in there. If you if you want to start to understand how the brain and the body really do need to be kind of in sync with each other and have these understandings, uh, go go follow his content. He's uh, Gareth has reshaped a lot of my coaching in, in the short time I've you know I've known Gareth now for a few years now, and he's really reshaped a lot of the stuff that I do. Uh, again, in my quest to be a better coach. So I encourage any coach or player uh, to go find that or reach out to Gareth and we'll give you his plugs at the end so you can find them. Make you wait till that. Uh, so so you started this journey. Now you're, you're, you're coaching golf and you're kind of going on the mental performance side and not even mental. I'm just going to call it performance because I think me mental game to me is, you know, it's a, that's muddy waters. But performance is my ability to go out, take what I've learned, and apply that into the competition. So what, what big pieces or have you kind of found that a lot of touring professionals do different than your high level amateur? That's a great question. I'm just going to touch on something you said there about people talk about, you know, is it mental? Is it physical? It's, it's, they're inextricably linked. There is no such thing as something being singularly mental or physical. There are, um, bi-directional signals coming from the body to the brain and brain to the body so yeah i totally agree with you on that um true professionals i think there is a there's certainly you know and, and i would say I, I work with a lot of successful business people or people at, at, at the height of their careers in different I, I meet a lot of people in the medical profession there's a very single-mindedness and, and they're on a mission they're on a journey which isn't necessarily about money it's more about testing themselves to see how far they can go and and they they are the people who enjoy the fight, if you want to call it that. The, yeah. the 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 pressure cauldron appeals to them. They like testing themselves and pushing themselves outside their comfort zone, not to the point of overwhelm or breaking themselves. And um, and it's a player who'll come back and you know fire the clubs against the garage wall and be on the phone to me at the same time, going, "We need to figure this out." Right? There's that yeah. there's that steely determination and belief in their ability that they can and will figure it out at a certain point in time. And the reality is, Brian, if they don't have that sort of mindset or those concepts and think that way, they're not going to have a very long career anyway, because they, this game delivers a lot more punches um, than, than any other, because you're not, you just, I mean, what Tiger's win percentage was a 25% across his career. So one in four times he tees it up and he was kind of good. Um, so if you're anyway okay. normal, 
if you're not the robot tiger was or the machine, then you're probably, you know, one win season is considered brilliant on tour. Let's, let's yeah. be honest, what, regardless of what tour you're on. So you, you need, you need that, you need that ability to bounce back. I think that is, you know, that ability to bounce back mentally and go, no, I've got to, I've got to keep going. I've got to figure this out. Um, I would certainly say as well that they, you know, with the data we're seeing, you guys GameForge, um, with the TrackMan data or the, the launch monitor data we're seeing, target has become, or practice has become definitely a bit more targeted and more, more structured versus randomly just hitting walls and trying to dig it out of the dirt to quote Hogan. Um, and yeah, the, the, I think the, the modern player is just very comfortable now with traveling the world and, 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 you know, it's not, it's not a lifestyle for everybody. Like I, I played a little bit of Irish circuit, some stuff in Europe, hotel rooms all look the same very, very quickly, don't they? And, yes. you know, travel, it's not like they're, it's not like they're out, you know, in the nightclubs and they're, and they're seeing the best of the, of the sites. They're, they're basically in a cocoon week in, week out. And, and a lot of that, a lot of that, and you'll know this too, you'll have seen a lot of players coming through college and stuff who undoubtedly had the physical skills, had the motor skills, had they, had they everything you could ask for in terms of, have they got the package bar this they, they just hadn't the capacity to deal with the travel and the stress and the mental stuff and the and the you know the upheaval week on week you know every every tuesday morning's an airport yeah that's not for everybody sure it's not yeah no i, I think that's perfect and i i see that with all the players as well i the defining piece is they're on a journey to test themselves and and to accomplish what they're trying to do they don't, you know, money's nice and all those, the externals are great, but you know, when you have that, that player on your college team, like you look at them, you're like, they've got that component to do it where the majority of, a lot of them have the swing, a lot of them have the talent. They can, on any given day, they can hit it just as well as anybody in the world. Uh, but they, that piece of, of, like you said, the willingness to fight week in, week out, day in, day out, tournament to tournament, even when it's not going well. I, I call it, you know, the, the player's delusion, their, their ability to say, yeah, I'm playing. Things are going badly, but it's not me. It's other factors, you know, their ability to compartmentalize and, and, and just, again, see where they're trying to go, where the majority of us go, oh, no, it's this, that, always me, whatever. And you, you kind of hit that circle and whatever. So I, I always say the hardest part when we were recruiting college wise was trying to find that kid that was just on a journey. And we were just, we were a stepping stone to where they were trying to go and whatever we could provide them was great and for their, their next step. And, and again, that's the hardest part. And you look at it, you know, in all sports, you know, in, in America, looking for the quarterback for NFL team, you know, what drives that? Like, you know, Tom Brady was not the best, quarterback but he is by far the best quarterback ever to play the game he's won six super bowls played for 700 years uh but you you couldn't predict that if you kind of watch him in college so you know trying to figure that piece out was always you know you that was the holy grail in recruiting so again for you as a junior golfer out there that want to play uh there's much more than score and swing and those components inside of the recruiting battle coaches are trying to figure out kind of who you are, what you believe and what you want to do. That is a big piece. Uh, so don't give up uh, depending where you are. If you have that drive that and you're on that journey, uh, it's just a hiccup. Might not go to the school you want, but there's a school for you. Keep driving, you'll be fine. So I, I think, again, to me, the performance aspect is fascinating because it's such a challenge. So, you know, kind of give us a little background on 
like some of the biggest influences that you've had from readings or interactions with other coaches inside of the performance world that has really kind of made you rethink and re retool what your, your belief process was. You know, you know just quickly say, isn't there, or wasn't there a kicker where a lad was brought in from the crowd um, to kick at a field goal and it was worth a hundred thousand dollars and and the kid didn't balk, just stroke this thing over the bar. And the yep. coach immediately sent his scout to him and said, I want to figure out who this kid is. And this kid ended up becoming a kicker for that team. Uh, I don't know the kid's name, but I just remember reading that story. Going, that is so cool because the coach came out afterwards and said, if he can walk out in front of a crowd of 80,000 people with a hundred grand on the line and stroke that thing over the bar as cool as that, I yeah. want him on my team. Well, I'll give you a funny story. This weekend, Clemson University, which is a top 20 program, really big college program, their kicker was hurt. They pulled a guy off campus. So in the beginning of the game, he kicked like a 35, 40 yarder, made it. Crowds going crazy or whatever. End of the game, fourth quarter, 20 seconds left on the clock, chance to win the game. Not even close. Like, you know, and then me, because the, 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 the play calling got really, I'm not a Clemson fan, but I was with Clemson fans. Play calling got really hesitant they really got secured the ball they really thought they were going to kick the field goal and win but it, you know i'm sitting there as a coach going okay so he kicked the field goal when it really doesn't matter in the first quarter who cares i'm like that's a lot of pressure to put and he missed the bejesus out of it. and they ended up losing the game so uh, i heard about it. a lot of people were yelling at the kicker i was like you need to be yelling at the coaching staff what were they thinking putting a guy they literally pulled out of a dorm a couple days ago yeah. and said Beat, beat the number four team in the country with this kick. Go. Come on, man. <laughs> it would have been awesome if he did. It would have been storybook. He would have been legend, but not so much. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, it will, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how deep the scar tissue runs in that one. Yeah. Well. That's, that, that's, that's one that can, uh, if it's an inappropriate level of overwhelm, that can end a career very quickly. Uh, anyway, I have, well, I don't know, Brian. I, I read an average of... 50 nonfiction books a year approximately. I I completed a certain amount of certifications via various colleges every year. And for me, the the the, the people who've kind of been heroes and have, have really helped my career are the people who've dared, dared to look at things differently. And I and yeah. I think that's that's it takes huge courage to stick your head up at a moment when the crowd are all moving in a certain direction and somebody goes, actually, I don't think this is how this works. And somebody goes on a tangent in a different direction to, you know, screams of ridicule and name calling, all that kind of thing. And, and so I just say kudos to every coach who has taken those steps and broken boundaries. And I read a great deal outside of golf. So when I'm saying here, I, I read 50 plus books a year, nonfiction, I do. Um, but I would say comfortably 40 of those will not be golf related. And yeah. the reason for that is. I think the danger as you get more and more into coaching is you go deeper and deeper down a certain rabbit hole, which is of your own creation in terms of your concepts and your beliefs about coaching. Uh, and then you start seeking out stuff which will validate your current way of thinking. And my approach is slightly different. I actually try to find things that would be in contrary to, to my current beliefs and, and thinking. I try to always challenge my own beliefs by reading in areas that would be very different to maybe current things that I would consider correct. Um, and I, I love the neurosciences. I'm absolutely 30 of the books I read every year will be on neuroscience of some description. That's so cool. yeah, there's been, I've had a lot of great people um, 
involved in my career and a lot of people who, you know, open doors and, and have, have been there for me at the end of a phone. I'd hate to start naming people because I know I'll, I'll leave somebody out, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, even even when we have calls, you and I, Mark, Jamie Donaldson in the UK, when we all talk, there, there's always something said where I go, oh, I haven't thought about it like that before. And, and I love those conversations. I love when we get together uh, and present and then maybe have a beer or a whiskey afterwards because we do always figure something out. Yeah. Um, and I just love that part of coaching. I love the the kind of camaraderie and the, and how we how we how we all help each other to grow. I, I think that's really cool. Cool. And uh, so uh, we'll kind of segue into December. Uh, we're doing a golf whiskey event um, here in Virginia. We're going to celebrate Virginia whiskeys. Uh, then we're going to do a craft tasting on the day we're playing golf. And then we'll do a world tasting, I think, um, Sunday at the golf course. And then we have dinners and whiskey tours. And so it's going to be a wild weekend. But we're going to host a golf school on the Friday, kind of kick everything off. And it's going to be kind of an Aimpoint Game Forge uh, because we're, I'm anticipating a vast array of students that will be coming uh, uh, to the whiskey or player ability coming to the whiskey tournament. So it doesn't matter if you've never played golf, at least have some golf clubs if you've never played, or if you're a, you know, high end, handy, you know, low handicapper that that want to play well. Uh, so kind of thinking through that spectrum. Uh, what challenges will we have as coaches uh, with a vast ar array of talent that will be actually at our golf school? <laughs> I, our greatest challenge will be doing um, doing justification for such a vast array of talent in such a short space of time. That's right. <laughs> Perfect. There's, well said. There you go. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I, you know, kind of in my head, what I have envisioned, it'll be a, probably a lot of putting stuff. Um, we'll have Mark Sweeney, the founder of Aimpoint there. Uh, we will have some Game Forge knowledge about what needs to be made and maybe, you know, do some speed training, do some even technique work. We'll have a couple hours. But, but really what we're going to do is just start to give, we're going to try to segregate by talent, by ability and really provide you what you need to understand to get better. And that's what I've kind of learned inside of GameForge is we know exactly what different levels look like and where you need to perform at. And, you know, and that performance, you know, is key on how we can get there. And then you can definitely uh, push Gareth on the um, performance side of it and the brain side of it. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun uh, come December. Uh, Advertising should be out probably the time, the time you uh, watch this video, and it's going to be a very limited field. Uh, we're going to work two-man teams or two-person teams. I think we have an all-women's team that's already signed up. Um, so it'll be a two-person team. Uh, only 12 total teams are what we're accepting the first year. We're going to try to grow this and things along that line. So uh, be on the lookout for that coming up. And then also end of this month of October coming up, uh, Gareth and I are taking one for the entire golf casks team and, uh, give us a little idea of what we have planned in Ireland for a couple of days. I think you, you almost phrased that correctly. Uh, Gareth and I are selflessly, selflessly taking this for, the, for the golf. Yeah. Um, what, what do we think when we think Ireland? We think whiskey, we think flat caps. This is handmade in Donegal by Hannah Hats. It's on my head. Um, we think Lynx golf. So I guess, 
you and I are going to very selflessly go on a reconnaissance mission. Yes. I have been doing some work on this in the background. Uh, if you are watching this and you cannot for some reason, uh, and I can't think of a reason why you you couldn't. I mean, no reason will be good enough not to be with us in Charlottesville in in the in December. But if you cannot be with us, um, then you may possibly get the opportunity to be with us in Ireland. So we're talking distilleries. We're talking classic links golf courses, some of the best links golf courses in the world. And I'm lucky enough to have grown up playing on them. Um, we're talking hidden gems, so we won't be bringing you to where you're going to meet. No harm, but you're not going to meet all the people from down the street or with a similar accent to yourself. Let's just phrase it that way. Um, you're more likely to bump into people of different uh, nationality and we'll bring you to the Shabins. We'll bring you to the, the off the track places, the little pubs with the guys with these hats on a little bit sideways and tell them the stories and, you know, all that, the fireplaces. So, yeah, that's that will be coming in 2024. And that's going to be, I think, I can see that very quickly becoming an international event because when people realize, particularly with me being on the ground, Brian, and, and my my contacts in golf, Irish professional, taking you on a tour in Ireland, um, it's not been done in Ireland at all at the moment. There are tours for sure, but no 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 professionals really involved. So our team will be coming in and joining me, you yourself, I'm, I'm Mark, probably Jamie, and we will be bringing you on a tour in Ireland that will that will just hit some beautiful places and leave you with memories for a lifetime. Yeah. No, depending I, on how much whiskey you consume. Yes. Yes. And, and what we also said is uh, I've, I've said this on a couple of podcasts, we'll be coming to Ireland in 2024. So mark the entire calendar. I don't know the dates yet, but just go yeah. and block off. Don't make any big decisions on, on timeframes until you know what dates these are. Uh, we'll try to get them out. Like I said, we're doing our reconnaissance coming up. We're working hard for you, the listener. Uh, we want to provide you the best opportunity to enjoy golf, whiskey, and the home of it in Ireland. So, uh, Gav McShay, thank you so much for taking time. Uh, give me a quick plug on where they can find you. And other than in December here in Virginia, uh, give us a quick plug and, uh, thank you so much. You know, Brian, my, my social media never does justice to my personality, but if you can't come in December, <laughs> Um, Instagram is at aimpoint underscore golf underscore Ireland. I'm on Facebook. It's just my name, Gareth McShea, G-A-R-E-T-H-M-C-S-H-E-A. -E um, and you will get me and you're welcome to email me at garethmcshea at gmail.com. If you want to get in touch, if you've got any questions or maybe you're coming to Ireland, you'd like some guidance, maybe you'd like to raise a glass with me. Well, then just get in touch and I'm more than happy to do that if at all possible. Salancha. Salancha. This has been a fuel production.